A person needs to be willing to be a little vulnerable about themselves in order to be an effective manager. I'm not saying good manager because that's subjective. I'm saying effective because it's not about liking something. It's about, does it work? Is it producing the results? Is it having the impact that you had intended? And if not, then you get to go back and you get to revise. And I, and I am a big proponent of that. Like if something doesn't work, you try it again. And if what you're doing doesn't work, then maybe you need to change how you're thinking about it. Welcome to Management Development Unlocked, where you will learn how to nurture a world-class management team. And now your host, Eric Gerard. Hello and welcome. I am very glad that you are here to another episode of Management Development Unlocked. Today, I have Zovig Garbushian with me, and she runs a consulting practice called Boldness Ablaze Coaching. Zovig, please tell us who you are and what you do. Yes, thank you so much, Eric. I'm so happy to be here with you. So hi, everybody. I'm Zovig Garbushian. As Eric said, Boldness Ablaze Coaching is my practice. I am an executive coach and a speaker and a group facilitator. As a coach, I work primarily with women in leadership. So women who know what it's like to run the show, they run their teams, and they are often one of a few or one of the only (laughs) women among their leadership folks. And the reason I focus on women in leadership is because there are not enough of them, us. I am also one. There are not enough of us. And frequently those who end up in leadership still face challenges that are unique to being a woman. And so I want to do whatever I can from where I sit to help them understand who they are, lean into what who they naturally are as leaders, and not try to be things they're not and just advance themselves and go after what they want boldly and unapologetically. So awesome. that's, that's my mission. That's what I do. Awesome. Thank yeah. you. So you have quite a presence on LinkedIn and on your website. So I see that you're you're really focused on, on empowering women yeah. and helping them be heard and, and be seen. Yes. So let's talk a little bit more about that because that's really interesting to me. So what drew you to that and why are you so interested and focused on that? I think what drew me to that is a lifetime of being a a woman and getting mixed messages about who I should and should not be. Mm -hmm. I don't think this is unique to me at all as a woman. I'm the first generation Armenian born in the States. I got, I had a very, I, I call myself a friend of another coach, friend of mine coined the term, a woman of culture. And so I'm a woman of culture. I was born in the States, but I had a very um, heavy cultural influence from my Armenian family. And so I got a lot of mixed messages growing up. Be smart, but not too smart. And, you know, speak up, but not when it's an, not appropriate. And I bucked against that. And I challenged that a lot. And so at a very young age, about 20 years old, I started learning about myself. That was the first time I decided to go see a therapist. That was the first time I decided to do some sort, some sort of self-reflective activity because I knew something, something wasn't working in, in me. And so that was the start of my journey for my own self-exploration. And I've learned and I continue to do that in all kinds of disciplines and all sort in all frameworks. I've, I've got a certificate in almost everything. <laughs> and so, and because I love to learn about myself. And the thing that I realized I love so much is when I can help facilitate another woman seeing herself for who she is. Like if I can participate and support that and advance that in any way, I will. If I can shorten the distance between her and her most natural way of being in the world, I will do that. If I can help her disconnect from stories that don't serve her and that never served her, I'm going to do that. And so, that plays out 
in my work in leadership, that's the form that it's taken because I had 15 years in the corporate world. And then I went and I did management consultant for some time. And so I could see how much dysfunction there was and still is. And it's not because people are bad. (laughs) It's because I just don't think that we are taught and trained how to connect with each other. And so we kind of have to go back and start over in a lot of ways. And so if there's anything that I can do to help a woman, like I said, get more connected to who she is, stand up with pride and not feel that she is imposing on anyone by being herself, that's, I think, her power center. And that's what I want to help. That's what I'm trying to get connected to always for my myself. And that's what I want to help my clients get connected to. Because I, I don't think it's about what you do and all the tips and tricks and tactics of being a leader. I think it's about being who you be and being as much of that as possible and then learning and experimenting along the way. Wonderful. Thank you. Thanks for for expanding on that. Yeah. So I think that's a nice lead in into my first question, which is what is your philosophy of management development? And I think that this is going to be really interesting to see you weave that together with what we just talked about. So I think it's the same. When someone is new to management, you're trying to do it right. I know I was. I was trying to get it right. And I I had a heck of a learning experience when the first time I stepped into management, I took over a role that someone else who I ended up managing wanted. She was an internal person. I was an external person. She, They did not promote her and I got hired instead. And so I had a lot of resistance from this person. And let me tell you, I cried many times. Like on my way out of the office at home, sometimes I I thought, oh, this isn't going to work for me because it was a really challenging relationship. And so when you're new, you want to do it right. And so all I thought was, gosh, I'm doing it wrong. I'm doing it wrong. I'm doing it wrong. And so my philosophy is if your intention is there, if you are genuinely trying to learn and connect and learn about yourself and call yourself out on things and be imperfect it's hard to mess it up. Now, yes, you can absolutely mess things up. If you're not being awake, if you're not being aware, if you don't care, if you're being reckless, absolutely there are ways to mess it up. But when a person is genuinely trying to do their best to see and hear their people and to connect with their people so they can support them, I think that it will be okay. And we will learn. And it doesn't have to be perfect out of the gate. We're allowed to mess up. Things are allowed to be clunky. Conversations, one-to-ones you have with your, your new team, they're going to be clunky. You know, so not everybody is open an open book and some people are and some people are not. And, and you're going to have to learn how to gel with different personalities. And Eric needs this and Zovig needs this. And, and it's okay. It's, it's going to feel clunky and awkward and that's all right. And so my philosophy is give yourself a break. And therefore, you can give your people a break, right? Because often what we do to ourselves, we do to others. If we have high expectations of ourselves, we make assumptions about those expectations on others. But if we can be gracious and kind and patient with ourselves, we can do that with our team. So that's the core of what I think my philosophy on management development is, is give yourself a break and room to learn and room to mess up. Wonderful. I love that. The whole concept of grace is so important. And it's something that I didn't grow up with. And Not Grace a lot of was, us did. Yeah, Gra- Grace was in short supply in my house. So <laughs> it's really nice to hear you say that. Yeah. Well, carrying on from what we just talked about in terms of your philosophy, why do you value management development and what does it do for you and your clients? What does it do for your company? What does it do for your clients' companies? 
management development, I think, needs to be a concerted effort. We can't just throw people into this manager role and expect them to know how to do things because oftentimes the thing that we believe we have to achieve as a new manager is I've got to check the boxes and make sure my people are doing everything they're supposed to do. They have to do their deliverables. We have to meet our our KPIs and our ROIs and our all of the letters, right? <laughs> and so I think I think that I think that promoting somebody and then giving them the support and the training to know how to deal with people, it can never, you can't underestimate that, the importance of that. Because management is people. It's not just deliverables of work. It is mostly people and dealing with people's stuff and helping them get through their their things so that you can clear their path so they can be there to do their best work. But we're not taught how to do that. You just said grace was in short supply. Yeah, in our house, you know, growing up, like communication was fiery. I mean, we're Armenians and we had loud voices and like we didn't have conversations. We had yelling conversations. That's just what we did. (laughs) And and that's how we communicate. Well, that doesn't fly at, at work. And so we have to teach ourselves new ways of being with people. And 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 to throw someone into, okay, you got a team of five, go. And then expect them to know what to do to support them. That's a really high and unrealistic expectation. So when someone is promoted, they they need to be supported so that they can then support their people. So you just can't underestimate management development. It's got to be not just a a flash in the pan. Okay, for three months, you're going to get some management development support. No, it needs to be ongoing and continuous and evolving as that manager evolves. The people need, they need support on, everyone needs support. And it is not a shameful thing to say, I don't know how to do this. (laughs) That's another thing that's part of my management philosophy. There's no shame in not knowing how to do something. You get to learn, you get to learn and then learn again and then learn again. So give your people the support they need so that they know how to be with people, converse with people, have difficult conversations, deliver bad news. And also remember how to deliver good news because that's another mm-hmm. thing. Like I think maybe you've seen this in your work with new managers, but we think we have to comment on all the things that aren't working. This is broken. Fix this. Here's my quote unquote feedback. Also, you have to celebrate your people. And we forget that, that celebration goes a lot further sometimes than critical feedback. Absolutely. Yeah. In fact, before we got on, I sent notes to my team. So I have a small team, but they are mighty and they are awesome. Mm-hmm. And I've been talking with them throughout the year and certainly praising them when things go well and lots of things go well. But I asked each of them for time before I go out for a shoulder surgery next next week. Can we sit down and talk? And you know, let me just let me just praise your awesomeness for a little bit and then do a check-in and get some feedback from you. But you know, it's not going to be a feedback conversation except for me to say, I love how you did this. I love how you did that. I really appreciate this. You are a super value super valued member of my team. And I'm just being intentional about that because it's easy to forget. It's so easy to forget. And I don't know why it is. I, I, I've read uh, several, I've read many things about this, but there was one statistic that stood out to me, Eric, that was done by some collective research by a management consulting firm. And it was something like after surveying 7,500 managers, 37% of them did not celebrate or like give acknowledgement to their team. And the reason that that was, was because they were afraid that if they celebrated things that their people would rest on their laurels and and slack off. And I thought that, wow, that's really outrageous to me. (laughs) 
that, that to think that to tell someone you did a wonderful job or I appreciate your effort in this, because sometimes it is just about the effort. It doesn't have to turn out right. You can still appreciate someone's effort. That to think that to give that to somebody would then have the opposite effect of them doing a good job, that it would it would allow them to slack off or not do their work. I thought, wow, what a what a bizarre belief. <laughs> and yet not so bizarre because I've seen it a million times. Like, oh, well, I'm not gonna not gonna praise too much because I don't want, you know, I don't want you to get a big head. But people need to be seen and heard. And sometimes our effort needs to be celebrated just as much as the result or the outcome. Yep, totally agree. So I have twin 13-year-old daughters, mm-hmm. and I learned a long time ago that if I wanted them to do something, as they were learning how to do it, I praised progress. So for example, trying to get them to take out the trash at the beginning was really, really hard. And so <laughs> rather than getting upset and yelling, which I'm prone to do, and it's not the right way to go about it, when they did take out the trash, when they did remember, when they did it, when they were asked, it's like, you know, thank you so much. I really appreciate it because this is what it gets us. You know, by having the trash in the kitchen out, it means that we can do these things. So not only do I praise, but I also let them know the good things that happened because they yeah. did it. And it's repeating that over and over so that doing that task equals good feelings rather than bad feelings. Yeah. Yeah. And doing it over and over. That's mm-hmm. a great, that one little point, you have to do things over and over. It's not a one and done. Well, you should know I love you. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> You should know. They know. (laughs) You know that, right? Yeah. (laughs) They know. I don't have to say anything. Actually, they need to know it over and over again. Yes. We all do. Very much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, following on, how do you approach management development? How How do you actually operationalize it? Well, I don't know that I have a way of operationalizing it. When I work with teams, the first thing I want to do is make sure that they understand that everything is okay. Everything is okay and everything is allowed. I think the core of of the way I approach this is we need to understand ourselves first. We need to understand what motivates us. We need to understand what excites us, what shuts us down, why we show up to do things, what's important for us and our natural tendencies. Like we need to not only understand our strengths and our personality, but our core way of being, like our core natural essence. And that's our way of showing up in the world that adds value without having to try. I think that when we understand ourselves, we're able to then understand and intuit others. But if we think if we think we can just like, well, I'm just going to pay attention to them and give out there and I don't need to pay attention to myself, we're just as much a part of the management equation as our team members are. I'm just as much a part of this relationship as the person I manage. So if I think I'm just going to, you know, dole things out, everything's going to go outward and nothing will come back at me, well then there's a key part of this relationship that's missing. Some managers think that I'm just here to support and I'll do whatever they need and don't worry about me. No, actually, you are just as important in this, right? There needs to be a two-way conversation. No one should be making up stories about the other person. There should be an open flow of communication. I mean, I have done many trainings and workshops on how to communicate, on how to listen, on how to give and receive feedback and and respond to it and when and how. I I teach people how to use sort of the fundamental, you know, types of questions that we use in coaching to get the best out of their people. There's all different kinds of tactics you can use, but ultimately if a person, a person needs to be willing to be a little vulnerable about themselves in order to be an effective manager. I'm not saying good manager because that's subjective. I'm saying effective because it's not about liking something. It's about, does it work? 
Is it producing the results? Is it having the impact that you had intended? And if not, then you get to go back and you get to revise. And I, and I am a big proponent of that. Like if something doesn't work, you try it again. And if what you're doing doesn't work, then maybe you need to change how you're thinking about it. And if, if how you're thinking about it doesn't change the result, then maybe you need to think about who you're being. Well, I, I, I had a client, it was really, we had a laughter moment about it. They wanted their team to find joy in the work that they were doing and just be connected and really just like feel fulfilled. And I said, how are you feeling about stuff? Are you are you feeling joyful and fulfilled by things? And he in that moment they were struggling, you know, in that with that, which happens with that in particular. And I said, How do you expect your team to experience that and feel that when you are not yourself? And there was a laughter moment, like, oh, of course. So I thought, if you want joy, you have to be joy. Show up as joy. What does joy actually look like for you? If you want connection, be connection. Figure out a way to connect with someone in a way that's meaningful for them. So there's three parts. It's what you do, it's how you think, and it's who you're being. And all three of those need to be in play. Do, think, and being. Nice. Yeah. And I will say that is not my philosophy. That's not my framework, by the way. I actually have an amazing coach. His name's Robert Ellis, and he's developed, he's adapted that. But do, think, and be, it's this sort of triple loop of, mm-hmm. of how we can approach things. So, but it's yeah, it Makes total sense. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. You mentioned a couple of things that I wanted to tease out, kind of pull that thread a little bit. Do you have any favorite tools or models that you use with management development? Tools or models. Okay. So, well, one of them is I do actually, I do actually teach some basics in coaching because I think as a manager, you are going to be coaching a bit, right? And so I ask, I teach them how to ask questions and there are three kinds of questions you can ask essentially in coaching. So one is the close-ended question that usually answers with a yes or a no. There's a specific time and a place for a close-ended question. And you'd be surprised when I do exercises around this with groups, how easily we default to close-ended questions. Do you, have you, will you, (laughs) right? And so those can be used to get to the bottom line of something. They need to be used strategically. But what happens is they narrow the response, they narrow the reaction, and they, they can almost be used to lead the witness, so to speak, when you use that. So you have to be careful and be thoughtful about when you use closed-ended questions. The questions you want to use more of are open-ended questions. What, how, and use sparing, used sparingly why, because if you don't use why carefully, it can be a little accusational. But you can also say things like, walk me through. I'd love to know how you got here. Say more about that. Let me tell you, the words say more about that open up a whole door. It just gives a person permission to tell you everything. Can you say more about that? Just say more about that. Sometimes I've just said, say more, and that's enough. And I just get so much more. So the closed-ended questions, the open-ended questions, and then the scaling questions. So Eric, on a scale of one to 10, how excited are you feeling about this project? Like one, not at all, 10 being unicorns on clouds. Where are you on this? And if you hear a five from your team member, well, I'm at a five, then you know you've got some digging to do and find out why are they not motivated about this project? Is it because they're intimidated by it? Do they not know how to do it? Are they feeling overwhelmed with other things? Like there's more information to, to mine there. I love scaling questions. They're so, they tell such a big story just by giving a number. And so then you can follow up and say, okay, well, what would make it a seven for you? If you're at a five, how could we get it to a seven? Then you can get even more information from them. So 
that's a tool that I use. It's just, it's a, it's a, it's natural to me because I've been coaching for so long now, but when you give that tool to managers, it just sort of opens up a door like, oh, now I know how to ask questions in a way that will actually get answers that serve what we're trying to do versus how are you? Fine. <laughs> are you having any problems? No, no. <laughs> how is, is everything going? Okay. This is my favorite. Everything going okay. Yeah, everything's fine. Fine. Or do you have any questions? No, because people don't want to ask questions. They think that it's a waste of time, especially someone who is still learning to be empowered. They're not going to assert that they're not sure about something. Mm -hmm. So if you say, do you have questions? The answer will probably be no. Instead, you can say, what questions do you have? Mm -hmm. One word changes the whole game. Yep, absolutely. What are your questions? What are your questions? Yeah. So that's yeah. a that's a great tool. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Thank you. Well, do you have a product or a service you'd like to plug? Of course I do. So <laughs> obviously my coaching, I mean, I, you all, I've, I've said who I coach, you know, I, I work one-on-one -on -one with women who are in leadership, but also I am super excited, Eric, to share that I am hosting my very first in-person two-day women's leadership immersion. And it's going to be in Seattle, Washington. Um, it's going to be March 2nd and 3rd. And it's going to be for a small group of 12 women who are interested in exploring who they are as leaders and redefining their own version of leadership. Because we're told by so many different places that leadership looks this way and this is the only way. And then we can kind of fight ourselves in that. So this program is really about getting to the core of who you are so that you can get you can get more connected to who you, who you are and lead with less worry and more ease. So that's happening. It's called Leadership Essence. That's happening March 2nd and 3rd. So I would love to share that with, with everybody who's who's interested in Seattle or outside of Seattle. Cool. Well, how do people find out about it? Yeah, you can visit my website, boldnessablazecoaching.com slash leadership essence. You can go there. The whole, all the information about the program is there. You can register. You can email me directly to talk about it if you have questions. And early bird registration ends February 1. So get on it. <laughs> awesome. Great. Well, thank you. Yeah. Moving on to the speed round. All right. The, the lightning round. This is where we get a chance to learn a little bit more about you as a person. First question, if you could sit in my seat and interview anyone, who would it be and why? Okay, this might sound really wackadoo, but right now I would interview, if I could, Elon Musk. Because part of me just wants to ask one question. Why? <laughs> just why? <laughs> you, you Can I come with you? Yes. I mean, you know, I, I can't like, I, I'm not going to make this an opinion about him one way or another, but I think anybody looking at the situation would just wonder why. And so that's, that's who I would want to interview. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I have variations of that question bouncing yeah. around my head <laughs> quite a lot. This morning I read another article about the latest goings on at Twitter and it's like, yeah. oh dear. Oh just my. Why? <laughs> why? 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 Question numero dos, favorite vacation spot and why? Well, I'm partial to, so I love Spain and I've been several times and my husband and I spent our honeymoon in Southern Spain, which was really beautiful and amazing. And everything about that country is incredible. And so that is one of my favorite vacation spots. Also, this might sound really boring, but my home is one of my favorite vacation spots. I love being at home with nothing to do. It is one of my most favorite indulgences is just being at home with nothing to do. And so if I could, anytime I could spend a few days just at home on a staycation, I am super happy. 
Oh, nice. Yeah. I love, I love my house as well, but because I work out of my house, mm. I have to get out sometimes. Yeah. It's, it's a beautiful spot and it's got a beautiful view and all the things. And I still need to go someplace else for a week sometimes. I get that. Yeah. Nice. Question three, where would you most like to travel aside from Spain? So Eastern Europe is a place I have not yet been. Um, that is something that's kind of been on my bucket list for quite some time. And I also, I love South America. So I've been to a few countries in South America and I've not been to all of them. I've not been to Brazil. I've not been to Peru. So I would love to explore more countries in South America. And it's nothing more than um, having had amazing vacations there, like trips there already and explorations there already. And I just feel like there's so much more and so much, so much ancient ancientness, indigenous like experience and culture and energy and spirituality in South America that I'm so attracted to. And I just think it's beautiful and I would love to explore it. I've been to Sao Paulo and Buenos Aires. Ah, yeah. Yeah. Sao Paulo is mayhem. Yes. It's what is like, how many people? 20 million people? I, I don't Am know. I like, that a, like, like a bazillion. I just, <laughs> yeah. It's a very densely populated city. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Buenos Aires was pretty cool though. Yeah. It's, I've also been like, to Buenos Aires. Yeah. It's like the Europe of South America. It's amazing. Yeah. There were a few times where I thought, I don't know if I'm in Spain or if I'm in uh, Buenos Aires. So yeah. 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 It felt, you know, having been a former New Yorker, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of big cities that I visited, I've noticed felt like a version of New York City. Like I, I, when I got there, it felt familiar. Okay. I know how to do this. I know how to navigate the crowded streets, be on the subways, get from place to place. I know how to pack my bags so that I'm ready for anything. And so I, I always felt a kinship to big bustling cities after mm -hmm. being a New Yorker for so long. Wow. I've only been to New York a couple of times and, and liked it for short visits. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, short. Yes, short visits. <laughs> All right. Last of the speed round questions. What brings you the most joy in your life? Right now, it is it is the simple things. One of them is working with the clients that I work with. When I get to collaborate with them and be in partnership with them, when they in the discovery of themselves, that is pure joy. Another, my husband and our dogs. I mean, that's maybe why my being at home is so such a vacation for me because man, my husband's a great, he's great. He's a great, he's a great roommate, a great partner, a great husband, a great, you know, great friend. And then our dogs, I mean, they're just, I don't know for all you dog owners out there. Are you a dog owner, Eric? Do you have dogs? No, but I have lots of dog friends. Yeah. The, they, they light up, they light me up. Those two, they make us laugh every day. They do something ridiculous every day and they're just, they're so pure and all they want is to just be a part of your world and shadow you wherever you go and have fun. That's it. <laughs> That's their only purpose in life is to just shadow you, be in your business and, and have fun. Mm -hmm. And I, I can't, I just, it's just so charming and endearing. I, I love them. So they, they bring me joy. We've got friends. One of them is the executive director of the Kitsap Humane Society and they've befriended us and our kids and they have three dogs who just mm -hmm. think that, that we are part of the pack now. And mm -hmm. it's just, it's so much yeah. fun. Yeah. yeah. When you're part of a pack, you're, you, you're forever part of a pack. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty awesome. Great. Well, Zovic, thank you so much. That was a wonderful experience. I really enjoyed chatting with you. So thank, thank you. you. Thank you. How can people find you again? 
Yeah, absolutely. You can go to boldnessablazecoaching.com or you can email me directly at zovig at boldnessablaze.com. Either one, or you can find me on LinkedIn too. I'm there, Zovig Garbushian. I send up a smoke signal. I'm I'm very available. Would love to chat. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. Well, thank you for listening. Please subscribe, comment, share, and connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm Eric P. Gerard on LinkedIn. We'll talk to you at the next one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Management Development Unlocked. Want more? Get a ton of insider tips and tools at GerardTrainingSolutions.com. 